0: Uh, yes, I'll be reading out of the book of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 40 through 42. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will where we will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now we'll read, and if you'd like to follow along, it is in your bulletin from Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 23. Therefore, yes ma'am, oh please stand, sorry, can, can you tell i still a rookie pastor? You know what, you're right, <laughs> I mixed them around this morning, my apologies, my apologies, still a rookie. <laughs> uh, actually, it will be a year that I'll, actually I've been here at Centerpoint for a year now. I just realized that. I guess I can't call myself a rookie anymore. Uh, we'll be reading from Romans chapter 6, verses twenty or 12 through 23. Therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Should we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do, not, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death Or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater iniquity, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what advantage did you then get from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord, the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. So today we're talking about sin. And it's always one of those funny topics, because uh, depending on where you go, people emphasize different things about sin differently. (coughs) There are some traditions that are very hellfire and brimstone. There are some that focus on particular sins. But I'd like to talk about something uh, a little bit more general, because while a lot of us can look at these words from the Apostle Paul and be like, okay, well, I haven't murdered anybody, right? Or I haven't stolen uh, from a bank, right? Uh, we can have these like particularly big, egregious sins in our minds. And we're like, well, I haven't crossed this line, and so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. But today I want to talk about a more uh, general view of sin, and that is missing the mark which some of you may have heard before as a traditional way of interpreting sin that something is not quite right. I want to take us I want to allow us a moment to look at sin in your life in your relationships in the little ways and the little things that we do where sin continues to work in us. Now I want to be clear as As a people of God, Christ is working in our hearts and our souls, and every day we draw closer to him. Every day we are on a a road to holiness in which God is continually sanctifying us. But sometimes there are sins that we let go just a little bit just because we don't think about it too much. Or sometimes we justify it. And that's kind of, uh, that's that is, those are the sins I in particularly want to talk about today. So, as you can imagine, I've been pretty much driven crazy by my children over these last uh, several months. Uh, I love them with all of my heart and soul. but um, I'm also ready to also be committed, <laughs> and I would be okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I was sitting at my uh, computer working on something. I don't rem- recall exactly what it was, but I just remember hearing from the other room, uh, I think it was Silas, or it doesn't matter which one, it was one of them. And they just yell, I'm telling! And they'll stomp off to, the o- to my office and, dad! Right, and so I've gotten into a pretty good uh, uh, habit Uh, A good, uh, what's the word? uh, Momentum, uh, something like that. Rhythm. Rhythm. Where I stop them and I look at them and I tell them, why? Why are you telling? What is the motivation behind this telling? Because yeah, your brother might have hit you but did you hit him back? Did you start this? Are you just trying to get your other brother in trouble? And then you find out quickly that the intent behind the telling isn't because they just want to tell Dad because they're so convinced about the wrongness that exists in our house, but because they want to get their brother in trouble. You see... (laughs) <laughs> it's pretty clear, especially after you've heard the same story for, the, for 50, 60 times, that man, the motivations from this telling aren't pure. Yes, the brother may have wronged them. Right? Yes, he might have got hurt. But that doesn't mean that why you're coming to tell me is innocent. And this strain of justifying something because because they want to see one of their brothers get in trouble, that's sin. It's not just the action to hit. It's the desire to get the brother in trouble. Now, not all of us deal with tattling. In fact, I would probably say that uh, a lot of you don't tattle on one another. But how else does this justification, this anger, work in our lives? (sighs) I remember, and all cards on the table, um, I'm a pastor, and I realize I'm supposed to be, um, some of you might have a, a particular idea about who I am, But I hope my preaching totally diminishes that and blows that out of the water because I am not a paragon of virtue and holiness. In fact, I can see the pettiness in my own soul and the vindictiveness and in the anger. And pettiness, oh, I wish I could say I wasn't petty, but golly sometimes I can be. Um, I was in a discussion with Jackie once, um, and I forgot exactly what the, the thing was, but i remember like i got angry and i got frustrated and there were, were these little things that i would do based in that anger and frustration to let her know right i'd be like less affectionate right I'd, or i i would in my words maybe in 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 my body language right And I never said it out loud. Heck, I never even said it in my own mind. But I know what the intention of that was. Because I was mad. That pettiness, those little ways in which I justify, you know, seemingly non-sinful behaviors, that's sin. And I would argue that all of us deal with that. All of us deal with these little ways in which we justify things to ourselves and why it's okay when we know for a fact it's not. It could be in in how we talk to our neighbor or how we talk to our friend, it could be in how we talk to our family members, right? those little words, those little things. I'm talking about the secret sins. Because I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that you all probably don't struggle with murder and you probably don't struggle with theft. Maybe you do. And that you don't struggle with a lot of these big sins. And so if I was to preach about that, well, heck, at the end of the day, we can all pat ourselves on the back for not being murderers and idolaters and all these other things and go home feeling good about ourselves. But what's the good in a sermon like that? What's the good in a sermon that doesn't convict us and move us closer to God or attempt to? So that's why I want to try and hit this a little bit closer to home. I want to give you a moment to really think about this. The little ways in which you have justified those actions that may or may not be sinful, but they come from an intent and a motivation of wrongness, of a desire to hurt, of a desire to be vindictive. Of a desire to not stand up and do what's right. Unless you think I'm just beating up on you, which isn't my intention. Um, the church has always struggled with this, not just in these little things, but in the big things. Jonathan Edwards is known as one of the great uh, preachers of our time. An amazing theological writer and mind, right? Uh, They say that when he, uh, like, he has got these sermons that you can read, and the big one that everybody knows is Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Um, (laughs) And I'm not going to go into the theology about that. Uh, but what I will say is that apparently his delivery from what we know back then was he would stand at the pulpit and he'd be like, y'all are sinners in the hands of an angry God. And he'd just like, keep going on. Apparently his, his delivery wasn't sinners in the hands of an angry God. But, it, you know, it was, it was very, it was a lot more chill than that. But the reason I, I want to bring Jonathan Edwards into the fray is because, again, we can kind of uplift him we can look at him as kind of this paragon of virtue and this paragon of, uh, of truth and theology. And maybe some of you disagree with that, but I just want to paint this picture in your mind. But the truth of the matter is, is that Jonathan Edwards had slaves. And he justified having slaves according to Scripture. When we've got clear Scripture as well, like in Philemon, where Paul is sending back Onesimus, their brother in Christ. And God says to Philemon, who's technically the the owner of Onesimus, don't bring him back and, and, and be too hard on him, but instead embrace him with the arms that you would embrace a brother in Christ. How many times did Jonathan Edwards read that? George McDowell, who's actually a very well-known Methodist. I th- I don't, actually, I think I screwed up his name. McDonald, maybe? He was one of the big movers and shakers in Methodism in, uh, in America, in Georgia, specifically. And one of the things that uh, he did, is, uh, this is back in like the 1730s, um, he wanted to open up an orphanage. Oh, that's great. He wanted to open up an orphanage for these people. At that point in time, Georgia was actually a, a free man state. In fact, slavery wasn't allowed. The idea being behind it was that uh, anybody could have a farm, and you'd have to pay them, right? Or you could own your own farm, because people who could afford slaves and the like would totally put those small, you know, Groups those small farmers out of business. So George, for all of his good motivations, for all of his good intentions, wanted to get this orphanage up and running. One of the things that he did was he actually uh, was instrumental in introducing slavery into Georgia. The reason being is because they needed to fund this orphanage. And the funding was running dry. And so George came up with a justification. I'm helping out these kids. And as we know, it worked. George got his orphanage, and slavery was introduced into Georgia. The big thing that I want to talk about today is how we can justify our sin and how we can all the greatest motivations for it. Sometimes our sin is born of pettiness like with me, or vindictiveness like that of my children, or even out of altruism like George. That doesn't make it less sinful. That doesn't make the consequences less severe. That doesn't make the generational brokenness that comes about from that sin go away because people had good intentions. One of the things that Paul says in our scripture today, oops, that's the wrong one. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you're slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and that you have been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. Brothers and sisters, we make a choice. We make a choice in all of our big decisions, in all of our little decisions, in all of those decisions which we hide in our heart that we don't want to reveal about who we're choosing to be a slave to. And it's not just a one-time big decision, but it's a decision we make every day. It's a decision we make in every moment. It's a decision we make when we refuse to hold ourselves accountable. Because that's an opportunity for reconciliation, for repentance. Uh, One last story and then we'll close. Today, I made breakfast for my boys before we left, scrambled eggs. Mixed them all up, put them in the pan, put some toast in the toaster, got it out. Everything was a great breakfast. And I realized that I left the bread open just like like a crazy person on the island. I didn't even, like, I didn't even do the thing where you like, tie it up and then like, try and put the heavy bread on top of the opening. I just left it wide open because I'm a monster. <laughs> and so one of the things I did was I saw that I did that, and I remembered the other day how I yelled at Josiah for doing the very same thing. So I had a moment. This is a good teaching moment. This is a good discipleship moment. And I I took the bread, and I'm not trying to puff myself up or anything because, well, I I sinned. I broke. And so I grabbed the bread, and I said to my boys, guys, um, I want to apologize. I left the bread open. The other day, I told you to close the bread. (laughs) This seems like a silly example. I know. I fully realize it. The other day, I told you guys to close the bread, and I want you to know that I screwed up, and I want you to know I'm sorry. And like, Dad, no, no, it's no problem. Dad, don't worry about it. So, you know, I did the thing, put it, and I put it away. We have the choice to hold ourselves accountable and be the light of Christ, even in little things like that. Because sin, yeah, it is a big thing. It's a dangerous thing. Which is why it's important if we're going to be slaves to righteousness to call out that sin in ourselves. Not just in our minds' eye, But verbally, for those little moments of pettiness to apologize, Jackie, I'm sorry. I should have been a better husband. Son, I'm holding you to this standard, and I need to hold myself to that same standard. Friend, the words that I spoke rashly, that's not like my Savior. Because it's in moments like that when the rubber meets the road, when we have sinned, that we can make a conscious decision to be slaves to righteousness. To even through our sin point people towards a bigger truth Towards a bigger honesty, towards a bigger righteousness, towards a bigger goodness than we can possibly be made manifest in ourselves. But maybe through that one apology, that one moment of holding ourselves accountable, we might be able to do it for the people of this world. That in our weakness and in the moment we're the most vulnerable, people might be able to see Christ. You see, this isn't just a discussion about sin although it is, and it's important for us to be convicted by it. But this is, these are opportunities for people to see Christ made manifest in you. So brothers and sisters, be slaves of righteousness. Choose to fight that off in your soul, which continually tries and desires to drag you down. And let us continually go before our Savior in repentance and accountability. And let me tell you this, brothers and sisters, and I mean this uh, with all sincerity, he accepts you into his arms, open wide with forgiveness. Because the heart that is repentant is the heart that is closest to God. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your correction and your accountability. And God, we pray that that sin that is within ourselves, you would help us to root it out. That which puts us off the mark or taints or corrupts our little actions, that God you would root it out so that in the end, that Father God, we might be your people. That we might draw closer to you to a truer righteousness, to a truer goodness, to a, to a better holiness than we can ever make of ourselves by ourselves. God, we need you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.